Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. There's three of us and Levi. So we're all spread out where you go to the room, so. Everyone introduce yourself. Vermont. Nicole. <laughs> so yeah, the reason that we're all here is because we're going to the Ingrid Clanky Clinic. Klimka. I think we all pronounce Ingrid. it differently. We'll find How do you out. pronounce it? Klimke. Klimke. So this weekend in Temecula is the Ingrid Klemke Clinic. I'm going to be taking Harvey down and we have a table with a bunch of our clients. So it should be a good time. I think we're doing Cavalettis. I, there is Cavalettis during the clinic. Hopefully you'll get to do them. Yes. That's her specialty. And it should be a good time. I hope that we'll learn a lot because obviously she's a very well-known trainer and horsewoman. And it's always fun to just get to see someone's training and they say things differently and I think it will be awesome for Harvey. So anyways, a couple of things tonight. We have some questions to answer. We have some exciting updates. First off, I wanted to ask everyone here, what is the best horse advice that you've ever received? We asked this in the Facebook club. Know. We have a lot of good answers. So best horse advice. If you let it take all the time it takes, it takes less time. That's a good one. Yeah. What about you, Nicole? Uh, it was advice my mother gave me, which is, who is not that horsey, but it was don't sweat, sweat the small stuff because I, it's all small stuff. It's all small stuff. <laughs> and I used to be really neurotic when I was younger about like little cuts and like, oh, the tack wasn't exactly clean or like I wasn't perfect. And she was like, in the grand scheme of things, these animals are 1,200 pounds. They don't, they'll live through at most anything as much as they are fragile creatures. But so that's always really just stuck with me. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. I guess mine would be tomorrow is another day. And that goes along with Nicole's. And her mom always helps me with that. Because I'll come home and I'll be like all upset about like, oh, I didn't have a good ride. And, and I get all worried and like Nicole neurotic. It's like, well, tomorrow's another day. So let's see. There's some good. Um, someone says, let go and release. That's definitely good advice. Let go or get drugged. Uh, don't just buy a horse that's pretty. That's brilliant. <laughs> Always end on a good note. What is it that you say about like, don't buy a train, don't buy a horse for your trainer? Or something like that right you don't need to buy me a job you need to buy a horse and so if you can't ride that horse that day that's not the horse for you if you're buying the horse for the future but you're not riding it that day don't buy that horse yeah here's some other funny advice always check your girth before getting on your horse no I matter the, I, I learned that on the hard way no matter who puts it on i think that's important like even if you have a groom or someone you have to check more importantly if, even if you put it on you got to check it later uh here's a good one horses learn from the release of pressure not from the pressure 
Absolutely. That is gospel truth. The only two emotions that belong with you when you are in the saddle are gratitude and humor. Oh, humor is a good one. <laughs> really good one. Um, here's another one. That act seems easy. Oh, this one from Linda goes along with yours. Act like you have all day and it will take five minutes. Act like you have five minutes and it will take, take all, all day. day. Lauren Kiefer used to say something. She's an inventor. She used to say, you have to go slow to go fast. Yeah. Which I thought was a really like quick way of saying it. It's um, going to take your time. And then it, at the end of the day, it'll go really fast. I can't remember the book. It says you have to hurry slowly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all, it's all life advice. And I think I did a lecture earlier this week for our groundwork course. I did a lot of research for it and horses, they do, they read your body language, they read your facial expressions, they sense your emotions. And so it's always important to consider that and to bring your best self to your ride for your horse, because they definitely pick up on that. Good advice. Um, in That's other so news, to do. <laughs> yes. So we put Nicole to work today. She, really? yes. Tell us what you did today. Uh, I did a lot of things today. <laughs> I was in the office in the morning, and then I got to spend the afternoon with Amelia and Kane and the team at the barn, where we did a lot of photo shoots. Um, I was the person making sure that there was no dirt on the horse and that <laughs> the, the stirrups were up. The stirrups were up and things like that. Uh, and then I got to be model and guinea pig for a few of the like teaching shops and things like that, which was good fun. And we did some PF work with Mercurio, which was great. I'm not as good with my timing on the PF stuff. So it was great to have Amelia there helping me because that's probably the area I feel the most green with the groundwork and Mercurio's super at it. Yeah, he's really good with the PF in hand. Yeah. He grew up with it, did he not? Yeah, in Spain they taught him the PF yeah. in hand. So, but anyways it's it's always fun to have uh nicole here and we have a lot of exciting things coming up in the year ahead we've been planning our strides calendar which i'm really excited about the topics and we have some exciting guest speakers that will be coming in and talking about different topics that they're experts in and i'm really excited for that because i certainly don't know everything and i'm always learning and that's a big part of riding is that you're always learning and trying to get better for your horse. So we have a lot of really exciting topics coming up in the year ahead. And Nicole is also, she's a judge. And so we, we filmed, I thought it was fun. We filmed this week. I rode through a training level test and she judged it. And it's always great to hear the judge's perspective. Like Herman and I, well, you've done the judge's course too, Yes. but there's like, but it's changed. That was a really long time ago. And there's definitely a balance of training and show riding. Like, they're different things. Very different. Very different. Right. You can't ride training the day like you do your show. Right. But you also can't test ride every day. If all you right. do is have your horse pull the highest point nose in front of the vertical and ride the test pattern over and over again. That's not going to work either. Right. You have to do exercises to make the horse be able to do the test patterns. Yeah. But then the test is a really good 
Results. Test. Right. Your that's test. what it is. It's, that's what it, it's a test. Did yeah. you get this done? Yeah. Did your work at home and now here's the test. It was good. It, good. it was interesting to, I, I don't often get to see professionals ride the training level tests. <laughs> uh, or if we do as a judge, it's usually because they're on a young horse or a green horse. Um, so, and there could be some excitement. And there could be some excitement. There wasn't any excitement, when, not big excitement when Amelia was doing hers, but it was, it's good fun. I, I love my judging and being able to share it with people. Yeah. And I also think that that's something like in strides that we're going to be really working on is helping you through competition season and helping you understand the judge's perspective as well. Because, you know, judges, they, Nicole has gone through a lot of training. What it, what have you gone through to get certified as a judge? <laughs> Too much? No, uh, there's a lot there. You have to do a lot of shadow judging. It's a little bit different depending on where, depending on where you live. Yeah, uh, but a lot of shadow judging, a lot of like educational clinics. There's a testing process. You have to actually compete yourself a certain numbers of times at certain levels, and you have to get it all done within a certain like time period of a certain number of years. And then you have to keep maintaining and keep updating. And I choose to do a lot of the extra stuff because I'm at the like beginning stage of my career, so I go to all of the different sessions and I try and shadow judge with like anyone I can sit with, which is great. This year has been a really educational year. I got to sit with some of the, um, the FEI judges that came to me locally. So it's scary sometimes to sit with them, but it's also super educational. Yeah. But it's, it's always, I think that we don't realize as riders that the judges becoming a judge is a big deal and you mm -hmm. go through a lot of education, but they also know a lot about like how movement should look and the frame. And, you know, it's, it's not like they just sit there and arbitrarily come up with scores. They have, you know, things that they're looking for and formulas. Criteria, and modifiers. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then we you have could probably go on a little more detail about <laughs> that, but there's, you know, the definition of the movement and the essence of the movement and that's what they're looking for. And then we have to keep up to date with all the rules. Generally speaking, the stewards are really good to help us. But in the moment, we need to know the rules if someone's coming down center line and they've got something illegal on and things like right, that. Because you own the space inside mm -hmm. the arena, then everything outside the arena, that's for the technical delegate. To, theoretically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but they, it's, it's a real team effort. I think everyone should have the opportunity to scribe if, or yes. if they don't judge. Yeah. They should because being behind the scenes to see how much goes on and like no judge ever wants to give a bad mark. No judge wants to be harsh on you. And we really want to see you succeed. And I think that's what people sometimes forget or they, you know, like, Oh, that judge is so mean or this and that. And but there's a standard. We, there is a standard, but we never want to be mean. Right. No, it but, isn't about being mean. No. There's a standard. Yes. Yeah. And I think Cesar Torres gave me some great advice. He said, you have to judge what you see because if someone comes in and is a 60% decent satisfactory rider, they come in and they're doing good. And then someone comes in and they're not, and you still give them sixties, like sixes. How is that person who was the 60% rider going to feel when they look at the other rider and they go, well, I, how, why am I even bothering when I'm getting the same score as someone who's not sufficient at this level? Yeah. And I think, 
that really, he's like, you have to be honest with the riders and fair. And then that's how you can be a good judge and a fair judge. And I think, you know, you said it takes a lot of education. Christy Waisaki told me it would take me 20 years from the start of my career to get to FEI. I think it's going to take closer to 35. Oh <laughs> like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> it's insane the amount of education we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, in some ways, I think it's a little bit of a thankless job. So we should always be kind to the judges because it's really hard to sit there all day. To and be that critical. Yeah. And try to be fair and subjective. And um, it's definitely a hard, harder than I think we think. So, but it's also super important to understand what the judge is looking for because like when we did our training level test and I listened back to Nicole's comments, like there were just some simple things that I could do to improve the score, you know, like riding accurately, showing a little more bend, um, thinking about the transitions. And so that's what we're really going to try to do this summer as part of our curriculum is to give you more knowledge about like what the judges are looking for and support you more in that way. We were talking about that's something that we didn't do enough of this past year. So looking forward to the year ahead, that's what we're going to be working towards. And we're also doing a goal setting webinar. Well, I should say I'm doing a goal setting webinar on New Year's Day to get you geared up for the new year. And I feel like winter and December is kind of a time to reflect. So I encourage you to take some time and reflect on what you've achieved this year, any improvements you've made, and then start planning for the year ahead. Because I always like to set my goals in the new year. Is the competition section of strides the thing you're most excited about for the new year? Or are there other topics? <laughs> I'm excited about everything in strides because I feel like in strides, I learn and you probably feel this way yeah. too. Like we learn something new every month because I always do a lot of research. Like right, you I go so in depth yeah, into something. Yeah, we really enjoy. I think all three of us we like reading books and watching the competitions. And so, as much as we learn, then we're always passing that on to the students, and that's what makes it really fun. So, and just. I think as riders, we're always learning and we're always getting better and we're always excited about trying something new or a new exercise or even just a new mindset with our um, horses. I think it's fun. Yeah, Mashua always says it's what you learn after you know everything that's important. Yes. Who says that? Mashua. Oh. <laughs> okay, what else do I have on my... Um, Okay, here's a good question. How do you slow the trot rhythm? Someone asked. Do you want to go first or do you want to go? go. <laughs> uh, you slow your posting. You slow your body down. And that usually just the change of your balance will change their speed and balance. Would you agree, disagree? Yeah, I was thinking about when I do it at the sitting trot, and right, if I'm posting, just change the speed at which I get out of the saddle. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm sitting, it's the same thing. I, I regulate my breathing so that my hips go at a different tempo. Yeah, and the reins support that, but it starts with my seat. Or in the posting, where you change how fast you come out of the tag. If that doesn't work, then usually I turn my circle. horse, like make a small circle. So 
that's how I would slow the tempo down. Okay, next question from Allison. How important is arena footing? I feel like our deep loose footing I ride in is hindering our progress. Could this be the case? Uh, it could be. Um, but deep loose footing is not good. Yeah, deep footing is not, not, not ideal. No. no. But that being said, I think there's something to say, like, just because you have them that isn't perfect doesn't mean you can't right. ride and enjoy your horse. But the more requirements you make of your horse to, like, increase their balance and their cadence as you move up the levels, yeah, the more important footing gets. Very good point. When I was, I was in Argentina and they had the polo field and they were playing on the beach. And somebody asked that very question. And he said, well, it's deep, so you can't you can't work them as hard because they have to work so much harder to get out of the deep sand. He goes, but they're fine in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the other thing is people ride like their horses on the beach and their waves to like strengthen their legs to be like just at the walk. Like right. I think there's lots of benefits to using different types of footing. Yeah. But definitely be mindful. And the the standard for good footing is you want to have a good solid base. Like here we make bases out of DG. I don't know what. And then compact it's, it down to about 99%. So it would be almost like concrete. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that. Two to four inches. Two to four inches of sand or different material. Right. I at, mean, sand is really one pretty time, good. At one time, sand was the cat's meow. I mean, it didn't get better than sand because that's what there was. And now they have all these mixes and everything. But still. Yeah. And it's important okay. that it's... Um, Consistent. Uniform. Yeah. Yeah. The same. That it's not like super deep and then really hard and then super deep and then. Right. Hard. Because if it's consistently deep, the horse can make adjustments. Yeah. Okay. Here's a good question. What's the main reason that Geronimo developed a rearing problem and what exercise did you use to correct it? Was it just a fundamental misunderstanding about the forward eight? That's a good question. Was so, he doing it already when you got him? No. When I tried Geronimo in Europe, he wasn't like the best in the connection. Um, but it was when I was trying to do a turn on the forehand with him, that's when he started rearing. And it was basically that he didn't understand to move sideways. Like turn on the forehand is a suppleness exercise. Um to teach your horse to connect from the inside leg to the outside rein. And because he didn't understand it and he wasn't enough in front of my leg, then when he, he rebels against it and up is an option. Right. And then when he reared, the pressure came off. So I trained him to do that because he was like, oh, pressure on, I rear, pressure comes off. So it's, that's how hard training horses is, is that you can accidentally teach them the wrong thing very easily, like really fast. Yeah. And they don't forget. Yeah. And, one time. And then to fix that, it wasn't like it was one, you know, exercise and then it's, oh yeah. It's well, no, good. because you already learned no, it. Yeah. But it was, how long was it of going back to the basics and the fundamentals, do you think? It took like to get the rearing like completely out of him probably took like six months, eight months. And he was young at the time. He was four or five. 
but it took going back to groundwork. I mean, that's what we went back to, like the rope halter and teaching him to bend and yield his hindquarters. And like, he was so locked in his body. That's usually why horses rear yeah, buck. Because of that tightness. Yeah. And then you put the pressure on and they don't know what needs to go up. Yeah. They don't have another direction right. to go, right? Because they can't go forward. They're so tight. Okay. Here's a good question from Brenda. What's the difference in the aids when going from halt to walk or halt to trot? Intensity. Oh, I, I wasn't going to say that. I, I changed my seat. The seat, the seat, like, we, yes, you use your legs, but that, that first moment could either be in the walk or be in the trot or in the canter motion. Right. It, it is how also, your hips move. It's lay, then it's seat. The seat, right? Yeah. And then, but. It's what you do with, it's how intent, I mean, if you go with that seat, they'll go up to the trot. If you just moderate yes. your seat, that's the part that the intensity changes is where your seat goes, right? If you do walk seat, the horse walks on. Yes. If you do trot seat, the horse trots on. But the leg said go, and the seat's like, go this way. I don't know, how do you do it? <laughs> That's what's hard about riding is some of it's like a feel thing, you know, but I would agree that amount of intensity in your seat, the amount of intensity from your leg is what starts it. Like if I'm at the halt and I'm going to walk, I put like a soft calf. If I want to go like right from halt to trot, it depends on the horse. So with Harvey, because Harvey's my Grand Prix horse and he's like very tuned. So what I do with him is I think about like kind of, I almost think pee off and then let it out to trot. But he's like a very advanced horse. So it, it's different like on a, a horse that doesn't know the pee off. Um, but yeah, it's leg and then your seat has to follow it. Okay, next so question. Great. We gave three answers to the same <laughs> question. Perfect. No, but it's, I think it's good to have discussion about things because both, everyone's answer is right. Yeah. It's, I agree with that. It's just, and I think it goes back to how you sit on your horse and how you train your horse a little bit too, right? But the horse will become sensitive to what you are asking. And yeah. But we can all agree that you don't let go of the reins to go forward. <laughs> Keep a contact. And you don't lean forward either. Right. <laughs> Ride a position. Yes. Letting yes. go of the reins to go forward is not an aid. Yeah. Just, I only say because we see it a lot. Okay, next question. This is a good one. How do you get your a horse to concentrate on the rider and the tasks in the arena rather than be distracted by things going on outside the arena? I use my reins and make them look inside the arena. When they're looking outside. What do you do with your reins? Well, we never say pull, but I'll pull and make their head go to the inside of the arena. Okay. What do you do, Nicole? I think it would depend on how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like if, right. They, if, if I have very little like control of speed, then I get off and I do ground work. If I have control of speed and like the steering isn't very good, I'll do like some serpentines and things like that. But you have to teach the horse how to do that before the horse gets distracted yes because it's through the repetition of something that they know that will bring them back to like focus yeah and you. if now i'm 
I'm thinking about our arena, right? When you're riding down that one long side and the road's right next to you. If my horse does the 90-degree turn and looks out of the arena, yeah, I'm going to be pretty pretty uh, committed to that inside rain. If they just kind of look over the side and slow down a little bit, I'll just keep a nice steady hand and push more back to the contact and say, hey, get back on the aids. It just depends on how big a resistance you're getting or well, distraction. And how educated the horse is, too. I think yeah. the younger the horse, the more they like. The more circling I'm going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, if it's a more educated horse and they kind of like look around, you could probably just do it, say like, hey, a little shoulder and be like, yeah, they come back and they refocus real quick. You don't need to do all the circling. Right. But if it's a young horse and they kind of stiffen, but they don't look and turn, maybe I just leave it at that because yeah. like leave it alone and get yeah and because, just crack on because they didn't turn and take a big look. It's an improvement, right? They just that. tightened up and then you go, yeah, yeah, go on, and then they go on. So I think the best thing is if you can sense it before it happens. Like if you know, like that. Okay, right, you feel their back start to right, tighten up, and they start to like or there's something new in the arena that you know it's going to catch their attention. If you can turn early, leg yield, shoulder in, um, get get them to come back to you. And then attention is also something that's developed over time. It's like discipline. Um, my horse, Kensington, when he was five, I used to say he had the attention span of a gnat because he was like, what's that? What's that? What's that? But then through years of training, not only has he matured because he's now eight and not five, but um, I've also taught him like, stay with me, pay attention to me. When I put my inside leg on, I want his inside ear to look back at me. So it's something that you also train into your horse that they learn, okay, it's riding time. I have to focus on the rider. And that comes in layers. Okay. A couple more questions. Um, how do you teach your horse to back up? From Shelly. In the usual way. I love that joke. <laughs> From the ground first. I, I think that's the yes. most important thing. Yes. Teaching them the rain pressure from the ground. And then if, if it's a horse that's really struggling with it, I might even get someone to stand at their head, not even touching the reins as you ask for the rain back. Because even just having the person there helps with like the transition yes. from the groundwork to the under saddle work. How do you do it? I agree, for sure, from the ground. Hey. <laughs> I tip a little forward in the seat. I close my leg. I hold the rein, and they take a step back, and the pressure comes off. I tell them they're great. We walk on. We take one step backwards. It's great. Do that once, twice, whatever. Next day, we do it again. Okay, girls versus boy. <laughs> Okay, my Frisian cross has a tendency to shorten his already pretty short neck in the trot work. What are some ways I can encourage him to lengthen his neck and top line? Um, just, you know, the, the stretchy circle from first level where you make that circle, you kind of spiral it in, push it out, make them interested in the bit. As you feed the reins through, I always think about them making them interested. I play with the bit down there so the horse goes, ooh, what's happening down there? Oh, what's going on with the bit? And I just keep feeding the leather until he stops taking it. I won't make slack in the reins. I just keep wanting to play with it, make them interested. In, and then tempo changes with that longer neck. Nicole? Leg yield. The, so the sooner you can say, Amelia's like, yes. Uh, the sooner you can teach a horse a leg yield after like directional and like stop and go, 
I think the better for their development because even it doesn't need to be a big leg yield, but even like leg yielding into the corners or like leg yielding to the wall just a little bit shallow starts to teach your horse how to step underneath themselves and that will naturally make them bend and like lengthen their neck. It doesn't have to be perfectly like straight, but the sooner you can teach the leg yield, the better. Yes. And I, I like that you said that because I was going to ask you that, but the leg yield, like when they have to engage the inside hind and connect to the outside rein, that makes the neck longer in a good way because their back is up. And that's what Herman was suggesting also with the stretch circle and the spiral in and out. When you leg yield out, getting that connection inside leg to outside rein. But it's fun to have you guys here because everyone, you know, like there's a problem and then you see there's different solutions to it um and you have to figure out kind of what works best for your horse or like a combination of different ideas or even what's best for you like in your confirmation your abilities right i feel like the leg yield is something that everyone can learn and can work towards whereas if you don't have a really good control over your hands yet or your seat you could still do the leg yield whereas the stretch circle might be harder to achieve because it's more coordination. Not that it's not a great suggestion. No, it, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm always, I'm always hesitant because nobody really wants to let go of the reins. They use them as handles. Yeah, that's so true too. Now they're leg yielding and they're holding on. I guess. And so then it makes the leg yield difficult. I guess when I teach leg yields, I don't worry about the shoulder falling at first. Like, he does the same. Yeah. I, I I have people just overbend them in, move the shoulder out, uh, now add your inside leg, and they get the feel to go sideways. I don't care that the shoulder leads. And by definition, does not the shoulder lead? Slightly. Yes. <laughs> they have to be crossing over. Yeah. Right. But until the rider can feel the horse move over, how do you fine-tune that? All right. We're making fish tacos for dinner. So if anyone wants to come over, <laughs> let us know. Be here quick. Yes. Be here quick. And we will be at the Ingrid Clinic this weekend down in Temecula at Galway Downs. We're going to be doing a little wine and cheese Saturday after the event. So email support at ameliannewcombedressage.com if you want details. And it should be really fun. We'll have some updates for you next week. Hopefully we learn a lot of exciting things. Thank you, Nicole and Herman. This was super fun. Good night, everyone. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club. Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.